Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. We absolutely love giving you the show every single day, Monday through Friday, for free. But uh, it's not free to produce. And if you'd like to keep the show on the air, we ask for your support and become an EPP. When you become an EPP, you get more than 23 bonus episodes of the show to listen to. These are exclusive episodes that are only available to our EPPs with some of the best stories we've ever gotten on them. Please help keep Real Ghost Stories online on the air. And become an EPP today, an extra podcast person, on the website realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get all the extras and the knowledge that you're keeping this show going. Please, and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, during her normal walk, a listener suddenly finds the scenery has eerily changed from five minutes ago. Could this be a glimpse into something sinister? From the past, a father fears there may be a third parental figure in his home to which his young son continually reaches out for during the night. While hunting in the jungles of Southeast Asia, a boy hears the inexplicable cries of children. And after moving in with his grandparents, a boy finds he cannot hide under the covers when something keeps pulling the covers off his bed. Those stories, your calls, and more tonight on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Brisky joining you once again. Hi. <laughs> what was that? I realized that I didn't say that, so I quickly got back up to the mic because I know you were going to the mic to be like, where's the introduction? I would have just said hi anyway, <laughs> just like I always do. Hi, and you are? <laughs> I'd like to say uh, our uh, our our headlines uh, and that the headlines are the the beginning of the show the uh, the little teasers that you hear uh-huh. that's what we call the headlines. Um, I want to just make sure everyone understands the little radio terminology things that we throw out there because I wouldn't. I was doing those for like a month before you told me what they were called. Yeah, um, I just like to say they're really getting good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Jenny. Jenny is the one who who goes through and and procure. I can never say that word. Procures, correct? Uh-huh. The stories uh, that we get in sent through the website, um, and also fixes them grammatically <laughs> <laughs> as best we can or as best she can. Uh, so they're they're much more readable, um, and and not all of them are bad. I mean, no, we get a lot of really good ones actually. We but, do. We get several where I don't have to do anything, yeah. and then we get some where you can tell there's a really good story there. Yeah. It's just going to take me an hour or two to sure. make it readable. But we have to, or she has to invent the headlines every day to kind of tease the stories at the beginning of the show. And uh, it's one of those things where, you know, I kind of threw you into it at the beginning and you're like, how did we do this? Yeah, I was stuck. Yeah. Uh, you'd have to help me a lot. Yeah, and I don't really do that anymore. And and I just reading these every night, I'm really enjoying them. Good. It really makes me want to keep listening to the show. <laughs> So I'm not just going to walk thing. out like right after them and go, oh, this show looks like it's going to suck. You do it. And then, uh, oh, you can... <laughs> well, thank you. I'm glad that I'm keeping you from walking out. Uh, yes, it's, it's amazing, though. Sometimes um, if you do listen to some, I don't want to say any specific shows or anything, or I mean, these even like major TV shows sometimes where the headlines that they have are just like, really? Why would I continue to watch this? Yeah. It's like, who wrote this? Thing for you, and why did no one flag that as being not good? Anywho, uh, sounds like some really interesting stories tonight. I'm excited about it. Our phone number 855-853-4802 here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. And a reminder, uh, tomorrow uh, the next EPP episode comes out. EPP 28. That's right. You excited about this? Yeah. I'm excited about it. EPP 28. Uh, of course, if you sign up to be an EPP, you get access to all of our previous bonus episodes, uh, all 27 of the past ones, and of course, the brand new one, EPP 28. Uh, we release those every single Saturday via email to our EPPs, so if you're not one yet, please sign up. EPPs are the folks who are financially supporting the show, keeping it going, keeping it on the air, so if you just found the show and you like the show, uh, consider 5 bucks 
bucks a month going towards it and uh, helping keeping it on the air because without that support, it ain't going to continue. Uh, but uh, thanks to our EPPs, we got uh, some life in us. But uh, the more folks that listen to us, which the listener count grows daily, uh, the more expensive it is to do the show. Uh, and keep it flowing. So please consider becoming one and allowing us to continue this little thing we call Real Ghost Stories Online. Sign up on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Uh, Dala? Dala? D-A-L-A? What do you think? I think Dala. Dala. Oh, one that I didn't even say. Yeah. The, was, that a, was that considered a long A? I think a short A. Short A? I, I, I've never understood the short, long, when they say <laughs> stuff in English. I'm like, I don't know what the hell you're even talking about. Dala. Dala. Okay. Hello, my name's Dala, and I'm a longtime listener of your lovely podcast. Whether or not the story counts as a true ghost story, I haven't the foggiest. Whatever it is, I would love your feedback on the matter, as it is an occurrence I still have many dreams about. Before I begin, let me offer you some background. My family has always been very religious, and in particular, my mother is a strong Christian woman. All, of my, all the women in my family all have an unusually strong bond to the ghost world, but given the uh, doctrine we were brought up in, it remains mostly unexplained, as most of my family would rather not deal with the unknown. Given some of the events that occurred, and there were a great many, I can hardly blame them. I have many stories, many of which I'd love to share. Stop by telling you uh, one of the shorter stories I have. I moved to Oregon. Is it Oregon or Oregon? I think it just depends where, where you are. you're from. Mm-hmm. I always called it Oregon as a kid. I always said Oregon, like you have a organ in your body. I think Oregon is the Wisconsin way of pronouncing Oregon. I uh-huh. think Oregon might be the correct one. I'm not sure, and I'm sure we'll get 500 We've corrections. About this before. Obviously, we didn't learn on Oregon. Mm-hmm. I don't recall Oregon being brought up. Like many yeah. other states. Okay. I think it was the same time we talked about how you say England. Oh, England and England? Yeah. England. In. Yeah, England. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Not like an egg. Yeah. Uh, So I'm sure we'll learn about Oregon Trail again. Uh, When I was 20, I moved around a lot as a kid and continued to do so well into my adulthood. In the neighborhood I lived in for about a year, there was a certain bridge I'd have to cross every day to get home. It was a small bridge crossing a very small creek that was completely surrounded by a grove of trees. A lot of dark shadows, even in broad daylight. There was a chain-linked fence across that bridge. One day in the summertime, in broad daylight, I'd cross the bridge while I was out walking. The streets, normally exceptionally busy during that time of day, was usually dead. There wasn't a single living soul about on the street. They were completely empty and silent. Being that it was an extremely busy street and business district that was unheard of, especially during the afternoon. That, in and of itself, was very strange, but was nothing compared to what happened next. As I passed the bridge, I was filled with a sudden dread. I can't explain the feeling I got, but it was almost as though I were prey being stalked by some dangerous and unseen predator. Never being one to ignore a gut feeling, I quickly turned the corner and headed towards home. The silence was heavy. It left me extremely uneasy. Not a few moments later, after having turned the corner, I suddenly heard very loud gunshots. My first instinct was to just run away, until I heard the distinct sound of a woman wailing. Her grief was penetrating and so overwhelming, I felt a horrible, sharp burning pain in my chest and heart, and for a moment I felt completely paralyzed. I had never, up until that point in time, experienced a pain so intense in my entire life. I couldn't move. Then I heard the same voice crying, Help, please, and help. And I could no longer bring myself to run away, but rather going against all self-preservation instincts, I ran towards the the gunshots and subsequent wailing. My phone was ready to call an ambulance with the intention of doing whatever I could to help. My first thought had been that there had been a shooting. When I got back to that bridge, there was nothing, not a trace of confrontation. The streets were still empty, but something had changed. An elaborate uh, uh, offerenda had been created. What is that? Offerenda is a Spanish word. Okay. For like a, a offering kind of memorial. Okay. For people who die. She makes a... Uh, 
an analogy to like the little roadside crosses that okay. you see. I was just thinking that. Okay. Mm-hmm. For a bit of context, offer oh, there we go. For a bit of uh, context, offerenda is a Spanish word for offering. An offerenda is an altar created with glass encased vigil candles. Okay, I've seen these. Flowers, photo, uh, photographs, crosses to memorialize the dead. If I would have kept reading, I would have gotten the definition. There you go. Uh, you've probably seen them on the roadside. White crosses and flowers at a place where a car accident has been, or at least that's my understanding of them. Only this offerenda was different. The cross was black and unmarked. The candles were lit and also unmarked, but most curiously of all, the chain-linked fence had been painstakingly and intricately woven with innumerable fresh flowers. Marigolds are most predominant. There was a black unmarked rosary draped over the cross with cigars, cigarettes, whiskey, and rum. These are common offerings given to the dead, though not common to see at a roadside offeranda. None of these things had been there when I had walked by not moments ago. By a few moments ago, I mean literally literally less than five minutes. An altar that elaborate looked like it would take hours, not moments. And with no one on the street, there was no likely culprit or immediate suspect. What caught my attention especially, other than the bizarreness of it all, was the incredible amount of detail put into the actual weaving, not placing those flowers into the chain-link fence. It was elaborate and quite detailed, but so unusual. I walked by that fence every day for a year. It's not that I had never noticed it before, because I often stopped off to smoke a cigarette at that bridge every day, and it wasn't like it was hard to notice. For the size of the bridge and detail given to the offerenda, it was impossible to miss. It simply had not been there before. There were no pictures of the deceased, no names, no one was there to attend the, to the burning candles, which uh, dipped and flared unnaturally. Strangely enough, it was in fear I felt looking at the altar. It was pause, numbness. I felt a hollow ache where the burning in my chest had been. Then an overwhelming sadness... It wasn't until until I heard the laughing in the trees that I truly felt fear. It wasn't human. It's like a clicking, then a peal of the most hor- horrific, hor- horrifying demonic that almost sounded like a shriek. I can't explain it, and I never heard anything like it again. Of course, I booked it, ran all the way home, told my roommates and boyfriend what happened. Then, of course, didn't they didn't believe me. I even dragged my boyfriend down that road later that day. When we left the house, the streets were full again. There were cars, kids playing in the streets, and of course, the offerenda was gone. It was the same day. Tear down would have taken less time, I'm sure, but not to build an offerenda that elaborate in less than five minutes. I have a lot of theories as to what I experienced, but I know in my heart of hearts it was spiritual. My main theory, other than a time slip, of course, is that someone must have been shot and killed on that spot. They must have lived in the neighborhood with their family or must have left an offerenda in their memory. I feel as though the pain in my chest must have been the gunshot wound replaying itself and the laughter ringing in the trees must have been an evil spirit reliving and rejoicing in what must have been the violent death. The woman's voice seems like it must have been that spirit mimicking a woman to draw my attention to the scene of the gruesome murder. That's what I tell myself anyway. Because when I did research on the neighborhood, it turned up nothing. I talked to the old-timers in the neighborhood, and they'd never heard of there ever been a shooting there. I can't honestly say I know for sure what it is that I experienced. If you have any insight, I'd love to know your thoughts. Love your show. Thanks for letting me share my story. There will hopefully be many more in the future. Okay. This may be far out there, but considering this is a ghost show, I'm going to go with it. I'm wondering if maybe Dala is a medium and doesn't realize it. Meaning that maybe she went and somehow crossed a spot that triggered her to have a memory come up that wasn't hers. Or, you know, obviously feel the pain of the gunshot. Mm -hmm. Maybe not so much that there was a wrinkle in time as more she was experiencing a memory that wasn't wasn't hers. Okay. I think logical considering the topic. Yeah. Uh here's another theory. Okay. Um what about this one? Maybe there was never anything that happened there to begin with. Nothing at all. And I this is where the the seed of to this thought is the fact that she felt like 
the laughing and the direction it was coming from and whatever it was was evil and dark? What if this was simply just some sort of a ploy to get her to essentially interact with it? Okay. To, to begin the process of some sort of interaction uh, with the dark entity. And this is what they it, it knew would get her attention and get her intrigued uh, to hopefully interact, which she didn't. Sure. Um, but could that could that be the case? And really, there's nothing. You know, it's it's. I guess it's in tune to like when people see a demon, you know, or, or like a child asking for help somewhere mm-hmm. in, in their home, and it's not their child. Um, and just instinctually, you're thinking you want to help that person, um, but it turns out. Uh, it wants to eat your soul. Um, you know, could it be something like that? Innocent enough, concerning enough, you know, kind of calming, it's sad, but, you know, intriguing, but just, you know, usually cemeteries are somewhat of a place of peace. Um, and it's not a cemetery, but, you know, it's essentially a makeshift cemetery, if you will. Um, it's a memorial. A memorial, yeah. Could that be a direction? I think, like we said, given the topic, either one could be a possibility. I was kind of pulling on my thought based on the fact that she said there's a long history of the women and her family having experiences with the paranormal that they couldn't explain. Sure. Okay. Yeah. kind of a hereditary link there, like being an empath. I'm just wondering how much she's experienced she doesn't even realize is something that not everybody else has got going on with them. Sure. No, that, that makes sense. something to consider. It makes sense because I bet a lot of times with that it's, you know, until someone actually points out, no, not everybody else feels like that. You know, uh, and that can happen at any point in life with, with so many things just that you don't necessarily talk about very much. Um, do you realize, oh, well, maybe I do have some sort of a gift here, you know? For you, it was, we, we, it was when we were talking about your imaginary friend. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, not everybody sees their... Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. very unsettling, but... But the, uh, it, yeah. it's like, it, it, it can be that about, like, the silliest things, though, too. Even non-paranormal things. Mm-hmm. So you can be like, you know, how you pronounce a word, you know, sure. like ketchup or something, you know? Uh, you know, there's all sorts of things you can be like... Oh, I I no, I could have sworn it was this way my entire life. I had no idea. With the lyrics to a song that you can't yeah. understand. Perfect example. <laughs> yes, that is the best prime example and analogy to make of that. That you're exactly right, um, and that's true. I mean, sometimes you know you realize it at 14. Sometimes you realize it at 44. Uh-huh. You know, it, it's one of those things where until it's actually brought to light, that you actually go, hmm, okay. The important thing is to be open to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Thank you for the letter. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, please press subscribe, whatever platform it is you're listening to us on. That way you don't have to keep searching for us every time you want to find more ghost stories. The latest episodes go right to you. So uh, check it out. iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, whatever it may be. Please press subscribe. Matt uh, writes in, hi, Tony and Jenny. I'm a new listener to your show. I uh, often take walks during the day on my lunch break and listen to your show while I'm walking. I thought I'd share my story. Currently live in England and a small, sleepy village called uh, uh, Burgess Hill. You know what? I was actually going to pronounce that correctly without his enunciation guide, but I really appreciate the enunciation guide. (laughs) You just never know with you. You don't know. I mean, usually it's like the real simple ones I screw up and the complicated ones I can just rattle off, but uh, there you go. Burgess Hill. Uh, we are nestled against the uh, South, Do- South Down National Park, which isn't far from the uh, South Coast. I recently left the Army after three years of service. The reason I'm telling you this will become clear. I met my partner online. We decided to make a go of it and live together. I moved from my original home in the north of England to the south. We rented a place in uh, Brighton, and we started a family and started saving for our first home. On the 2nd of January, we bought our first house in Burgess Hill and moved in. It's a lovely, small terrace house built in the 1780s and still retains about 90% of the features. 
Sash windows, oak flooring, cast iron pipes. I would love to see like HGTV do a remodel on one of those. You know, that's always like, oh, this is so outdated. It's from like 1984. You know? Yeah, that's so the 80s, 1780s. I want to see the Property Brothers go into something from like 1724. Because this was really popular in 1724. But uh, my brother's going to completely redo it. We're going (laughs) to update it to 1822. You know? (laughs) It'd be great. Uh, can you tell me watch much HGTV? It's like all we watch. Doing some research on the house and area, I found the house would build to support miners and their families when they worked at a clay mine, which is now another housing estate. Pretty quickly after moving in, we noticed something wasn't right. My son's toys started to play noises. For example, he had a toy that would play music when you touched a button. When sitting watching TV with my partner, the toy would suddenly spring to life and start playing music. We put this down to faulty wiring, and I removed the battery, but even with the battery removed, the toy would still play. I placed the toy in another room, and we went back to watch TV. Suddenly, another toy sprang to life. Again... I put this in another room. This continued for a few nights until it stopped suddenly. Around three weeks ago, we moved the sofa and the TV in the room to create more space. We moved my son's play area to another area of the room and the toy started to come to life again. This time it was a little more serious. Instead of noises, it was remote controlled things. I have a video I'm more than happy to send if you wish. Yes, please do. I was, uh, I was only made aware of this happening as my partner thought I was playing a prank by driving the remote-controlled car around the room. Aside from toys, we've had strange noises like bangs and creaks coming from around the house. We'll often hear dishes smashing and be totally unable to locate where the noise came from. The rocking chair in my son's room is known to suddenly start rocking during the night. This can be heard as it creaks on the floor. There's also been occasions when my study door has opened. My study is at the back of the house. You have to walk through my son's room to get it. When I'm in the study, I pull the handle down that locks a really old-fashioned clasp in place. Due to the handle being slightly broken, you have to turn it at least 180 degrees to the left for the clasp to open enough to push the door open. The door often gets caught in the frame, so it will need a good shove to push it open. Yet, when I'm working away... I'll just see the door open slowly. What do you think is causing this to happen in my house? Listening to an older episode, you asked if uh, it uh, had to be recorded if people died in the house and if that information is passed on to the buyer. Well, we were never told anything, but with a house this age, I'd assume being as remote as we are, there's been a lot of deaths in this house. Love the show, and I hope my story makes it in. I'm happy to share more if you would like. Yes, we would like. I think it's haunted. Just being that old, I'm just going to go with that. It's like, what do you think? There's dead people in your house. That's what I think. <laughs> there's there's dead people in your house. Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like, you know, for the most part, fairly harmless. Right. This kind of sounds like some of the former residents either maybe still hanging out there. Uh, there may be just some residual things hanging out there doing their thing. I, I think sometimes when you have like even just doors that are opening, mm-hmm. I think that may not always be a conscious entity. I think it may just be sometimes that repetitive energy that's somehow flowing through sure. on a path and it's just pushing the door. I wondered if it was a spirit that almost like a motherly type spirit where it really had an interest in the children and the children's toys and the rocking chair. Um, you know, it's hard to know. It, it just, I agree. It doesn't sound very threatening at all. Yeah. I think the biggest problem here is they met online. That's a scary thing to do. You and I I'm met kidding. online. That's why I said it. Okay. That's why I said it. You never know. You could end up five years later doing a ghost show. <laughs> it's the last thing you ever expected to do with your life. I'm looking for a partner for a ghost show, but I'm not going to talk about it till five years into the marriage. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did. We met online. There's nothing wrong with that. And I. Uh, it's funny because it is so socially normal now. I mean, it really is. I mean, it, it's crazy the amount of new marriages that are uh, from initially meeting online. It, sure. It's, it's a high number. I believe it's like somewhere like in the 70 to 80 percent number now. Yeah. Which, I mean, 
10 years ago, and I say this crazy, just, just perspective-wise, uh-huh. like from when we entered the dating scene, you know, when we were like, you know, in our teens, mm-hmm. and the idea of online dating, number one, it didn't exist at that beginning uh, stage of being a teenager, but then like into our late teens, it started to kind of happen. It was there, but it was like so like kind of like you're doing what it's like you that was your last stitch like you're the most desperate loser in the world if that was what you were trying now it's it's completely shifted to the opposite where it's like why are you not doing that what do you mean you're going out and trying to meet people in person are you insane (laughs) you know it's just it's just amazing that 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 whole thing is just looking at it from it's like it's such a, a a paradigm shift in the course of like 10 years best 50 bucks i ever spent oh yeah it really was <laughs> was yeah. signing up for that website to meet you but just just think though just it, it is such a, a an enormous thing in the in the history of people oh sure on how they meet and and just just that process and in 10 years completely changed oh yeah it's amazing well i mean most of the time anymore you have to meet somebody either online or you know workplace romances aren't the greatest but your chances of meeting a lifelong partner in a bar not so great aren't so great but the other thing is i mean soon and it's amazing eventually people are going to just uh you know there'll be like radio shows on the internet you can listen to and there'll be like videos out there and we'll do all these amazing things online that, you know, will just completely change the way you. Yeah. <laughs> They'll even talk about ghosts. Radio people, like, quit their real radio jobs to do radio shows online out of their homes. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be amazing. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Steve writes in, hi, guys. Greetings from England. Great show. I'm a trucker, and your show helps to pass the miles. Anyways, down to my story. It all started when my son reached about six months old. He started to sit up in his cot at night and hold out his arms uh, as if me or his mom were about to pick him up. Also, he'd wake up at night crying and be inconsolable, almost as if he'd been rudely awakened by a deep sleep. Nothing unusual there for a newborn, you may think, but since then, things have gotten weirder. He's now just over a year old, and he's still sitting up in his cot and holding out his arms. But now he's talking to whatever there is in the same manner as he does to me or his mom whenever he sees us. The other night, he started crying in his sleep, and when we went into his room to soothe him, he was sound asleep but on all fours with his butt in the air, going up and down as if someone was pushing him. His musical toys go off at any given time and footsteps are heard on the stairs, or if we're in bed, we hear them downstairs in the kitchen. It's all very spooky, but in no way does it feel like a malicious spirit, but all the same, it's very concerning, the way it seems to be focusing on my son. I might just add, my girlfriend's son from a previous relationship has seen his great-granddad before, who died when he was very young, but not to this extent, and she says it's a totally different feeling this time, as if her granddad was just looking over the kids and checking to see if they're okay. This one seems to want to interact with my son, so we don't believe it's him. So guys, that's my story. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Steve. It sounds like one of those ghosts that's just interested in taking care of the child. Almost like a nanny ghost. We've had a couple of stories about yeah. that. You know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, I understand it being disturbing to you, you know, and kind of being off, off-putting. Maybe off-putting is more the word than this, better than disturbing. But I would say if the child's not, you know, freaking out, having nightmares being disturbed by it yeah you know just kind of it kind of thinks it's like an imaginary friend almost probably um but you're probably realizing it's more than that um i i don't know what i would really do about that i mean unless you're prepared to pick up and move well you know unless it becomes a problem when the child's old enough to talk and like well the ghost said it was okay for me to do this. Sure. 
you know, and then you start having parental conflicts as yeah. far as what your ideas are. If it's not really doing anything and it's it's kind of soothing to the child, I'm thinking it's probably something that's okay for now. Yeah. I mean, keep an eye on it. Uh, you know, it, it's really hard. It, it's really one of those judgment calls you have to make of, do you want to have your child exposed to something like that? It, you know, it could be completely harmless and could just be really not a whole hell of a lot other than just some sort of entity that just has an interest in trying to have some fun with your kid and, you know, just be friendly. Yeah. You know, um, you know, that, that could really, that's kind of what it sounds like. If it changes, then, you know, you got to do what's best for your kid. But if it continues just to be kind of a calming presence and just more of a playful presence, I don't think you have a whole lot to worry about. Yeah. Someone's going to come online and tell us that, you know, that's completely wrong and it's a demon and it's a devil and it's trying to possess a child and eat its soul. But um, I don't really feel that way personally. No, I don't either. And, you know, just you kind of got to just take it one night at a time and see. Yeah. Once you start having reason to be more concerned, then that's a different story. Yeah, I agree. So just keep an eye on it. 855-853-4802 is our number. On that, another letter here. Dear Tony, first off, I'd like to tell you about me and my people. We're called Hmong, and we uh, used to live in the mountains and jungles of Southeast Asia. And there are still people living like that. You know, incidentally, where I grew up, we had a very large Hmong population. Really? Yes. I uh, went to high school with many okay. folks uh, of that descent. Um, I don't know why in my town that was. where It was at Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. As far away from Southeast Asia as you could possibly get. But, uh, yeah, very familiar. Here in Wichita, we have a very large Vietnamese population. Sure. yeah. So, yeah, very, uh, very familiar. Had a, a couple of friends in high school of uh, that descent. Continuing on, anyways, my ghost stories from back in Thailand. I can remember clearly how the uh, day started. My father and grandfather wanted to go hunting. I was roughly about the age of seven. My grandfather, who fought in the Vietnam War, had a few American rifles stashed away, and he was itching to use them. I'm not sure where or the name of our village, but the village was surrounded by a huge jungle. We headed out into the thick jungle with only two rifles and two knives. The day was going pretty good. My father shot a few birds and my grandfather shot a boar. After a while, my uh, father prepared our rice. It was wrapped in banana leaves and we cooked one of the birds that we had killed. Now, before we started eating, my grandfather did a ritual where he uh, set aside a few meat slices and some rice. He will then invite the ghosts or spirits of the jungle to come eat first. I did not get the ritual back then and still do not today. After we finished our food, for some reason, I was wandering, wandering off by myself and I remember walking by a huge rock. As I got closer, I could hear this faint but clear baby crying. I stopped and looked around, looking behind trees, bushes, and everything, but still could not find the source of the crying. Slowly, the baby crying got closer and closer. It then traveled around my left ear to the right ear, and then from the top of the trees. I got this overwhelming feeling of sadness and loss. I started to cry. My fingers got cold, like something was holding my hand. My father heard me crying and came running. He asked me why I was crying. I told him that I heard a baby crying, and I started crying afterwards. My dad said it was nothing and took my hand. We walked back to the camp. When we got home, I tried to ask him about the crying, but my father never really got a good answer. Anyways, saying that it was nothing, fast forward to when my family got to the United States. This is where I learned about the Vietnam War and the sad story of the genocide of the Hmong people by the Vietnamese army. Where this continued to my story is during the war. Many fled from uh, uh, fled the war from Vietnam to Thailand, fearing for their lives. Some did the unthinkable. Some others drugged their babies so they could stop crying. Some left their babies behind on the ground. The ones that were drugged died, and the ones that were left behind died from starvation. I could imagine the babies cried until they passed out and eventually died. It seems wrong, but I can't judge because I did not go through what they went through. And I agree. And, you know, it's hard to know in a war-torn area. It, it could be something like what he described. Sure. Or it could just be residual energy from some of the things that went on. It's hard to really know. Yeah, hard to tell if it was, you know, a conscious entity or a residual energy. 
regardless on any sort of battlefield situation, any place you are in the world, uh, there is certainly hauntings that are going on and sounds and sights that are still seen to this day. So hearing those sounds and hearing those cries being reflective of what actually did take place in a war situation is not that surprising. Right. Um, so sad and disturbing, certainly. Yeah. But um, that seems to be what happens on most battlefields. Once they are cleared many years later and it's peacetime, uh, there's still a war going on, uh, you know, energy-wise over those places. Right. And essentially the whole area became a battlefield. Yeah. So. So not... Uh, not surprising, disturbing, but a very, very interesting story. Thanks for uh, for sharing that with us. Our phone number here is 855-853-4802. Uh, of course, you can also write it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Victoria writes in, hello, my name is Victoria, and I'm a big fan of your podcast due to my fascination with ghost stories and the supernatural. Despite my lifelong fascination, I was thankful to never have a personal paranormal experience. That is until about a year ago. My boyfriend's mother had just moved into a two-story home in the middle of an apartment complex. The house looks like it dates back to the 1920s and is filled with plenty of unusual rooms and features. For example, as you climb the stairs, there's a small cupboard in the wall, and once opened, you see the wooden interior of the house. One bedroom contains a child's crawl space. It looks very similar to the one in Paranormal Activity 3. The mouth of the crawl space is fairly narrow and then widens to a a carpeted room with pink floral wallpaper. Being fairly petite and 5'4", I was able to fit through the space from the torso up. Perhaps it was my own imagination of recalling the movie, but I had a very eerie feeling as I crawled into the space. Probably could have shimmied myself all the way in, but I was way too creeped out. In my boyfriend's room, there's a door that looks like a a closet located in the wall on the left side of the bed. However, this door is not a closet at all. Instead, it leads to a narrow staircase up into the attic, which now has very unsteady floorboards and mostly contains house insulation. This door remains closed at all times. Anyways, one day I had spent the night. My boyfriend was fast asleep, and I was sleeping on the side of the bed closest to the attic door. In the middle of the night, I had to get up and use the bathroom. On my way back to bed, I noticed that the door was opened. I could have sworn the door was closed when I had walked into the bathroom. Being half asleep, I didn't think much of it and brushed it off as a dream. However, the next morning, the door was still open. Both my boyfriend and I were really freaked out, seeing as how the latch for the door was not something that could casually open on its own. That was my own personal encounter with something strange. However, I've had plenty of stories where the family dog would refuse to enter those certain rooms, especially a pantry located underneath the staircase. Thanks for letting me share my story. Keep up the good work. Love the podcast. That's really creepy because you just get this mental image of some kind of spirit coming down out of the attic and into the room. And I don't know about you, but those little crawl space rooms that are like hidden rooms, uh-huh. those are just creepy. I just don't like those. Ones that are like accessible from within the house? Yeah, like what she described yeah. where you could just kind of get through this hole and then that was carpeted with wallpaper in there. You know, almost like it was a child's play area, just a secret little area. That just creeps me out. I had a dream the other night. Oh, boy. That, uh, gosh, where was I? I want to say it was either my parents' house or my grandparents' house, one of the two. And it was one of those things where you do just that, where you're peeking through a certain area. And I want to say it was my parents' house. And it seemed totally logical to me at the time when I was dreaming. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course there's this other little compartmented room in the basement beyond the laundry room which there isn't okay but in the dream it's like oh yeah i remember that (laughs) you know it's like no you don't this never existed um but uh in the dream i i i it was one of those things where you had to like kind of go through this little tiny space to get in there Mm -hmm. and it was almost like a storm shelter was like deeper into the ground and like the bunch of piping you had to go through that then once you got through it you went through another little tiny door 
and I just peeked my head in because I was really, I felt like I couldn't fit through the space. And it was that. It was a giant, and I, I shone a flashlight around it, and it was a giant room. And it looked, it was wallpapered. It looked like a children's playroom. It had like bluish wallpaper with, you know, kind of play type things on it, you know, balls and things of that nature. Uh-huh. And it was just, it was like, wow, this is really weird. I didn't yeah. know this room was here. It is weird. Yeah. I don't like those spaces. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure kids think they're really neat. Yeah. But as a parent, it's like, no. When they're wallpapered and it's a house that you bought, uh, essentially someone else lived in, you have to wonder, why was this room like this? Were they kept in there? Yeah. When it's that far removed and that difficult to get to, what what is the why? Yeah. You know? There's a little space underneath the parent, my, uh, my parents' stairway that there's like a little opening to that the cat would hide in sometimes. I'd shine a light in there. Oh, really? But it's just underneath the stairway. There's nothing about it. There's no wallpaper in there. <laughs> I always thought that was kind of the secret room, if you will. Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that, there's really... Yeah. 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 It was a little cubby, and my, my aunt had one that I always thought was fun to play in. But that was like open. It was like really supposedly come more of a closet than anything else. Sure. But not quite like that story. 855-853-4802. Zachary writes in, Hi, I just want to start by writing that I'm a new listener. Was immediately sucked in by all the stories and remain really fascinated by them every time I listen. My mom has always told me a story that happened to her as a teenager. Doesn't seem so much paranormal as just bizarre, but I wanted to share it anyway. She grew up in a small town in northwest Alabama called Cherokee. Their house had a large lawn in front of it that was open and... Uh, unobstructed by trees. My mom was about 16 in 1975 and was home alone during her summer vacation. She was in the large yard tanning when a shadow moved over her. This prompted her to open her eyes, thinking it was a cloud or possibly even a person that had walked up without her realizing, but she saw neither. Instead, a low-flying plane was overhead. She described it was sizable, passenger jet. It was definitely not a Cessna-type plane. She jumped up in amazement because the plane was so low that she thought it would hit the top of the two-story house. It apparently took her a moment to also realize she had heard absolutely no sound during this event. She stood somewhat paralyzed watching this huge plane as it passed over the house and silently soared over the field behind the house. She was certain it was in the midst of crashing due to some sort of engine failure, and any minute would coast into a tree line in the distance. However, the plane just hovered above the horizon until it faded out of sight. My mom, obviously terrified, called her grandmother, my great-grandmother, who lived nearby, to see if she had noticed the plane as well. She hadn't. Then my mom called the local police station to report the incident. Evidently, there had been no other reports, and and the police officer said uh, she spoke to uh, sort of uh, the police officer. She, the police officer she spoke to sort of scoffed at the idea of a passenger plane flying so low in the area. The only major airports at the time were in Birmingham, Memphis, and Nashville, which were all several hours away. Over the next few weeks, she asked other people she knew of. They had seen the mystery plane, and no one had. She also scoured over the local papers to see if any reports of plane crashes were noted. There were none. It seemed as if she was the only person who had witnessed this event. I've always found this story fascinating, and I've grown up hearing it. Normally, when people are are lying down and are sleeping and witness something unusual, I always have to assume it was just a realistic dream. What strikes me as so interesting about this is how her reactions and the longevity of the event really indicate that it actually happened, but no one else was witness to it or could even verify it. I don't know much about wormholes in relation to paranormal experiences, but maybe it was something like that. In any case, it seems as bizarre now as it did at the time. Thanks for reading, and keep up the great show. Do you think it was a ghost plane? I don't know. I my my thought when I originally read it was I wonder if in the past if there had been any plane crashes in the area and it was like a residual energy replaying the plane flying over. Sure. 
because you know it's kind of it's not like it was an unidentified flying object it was obviously a passenger plane it was really sure. low and it was an unusual circumstance so mm-hmm. it just made me wonder if maybe it was a ghost plane I, I don't know it, it's it's hard to say um, I, I don't know what aviation uh, you know protocol was at that point in time if there was a plane that was flying low for whatever reason, how well documented that would have been. I mean, at this day and age, you're going to have 500 people tweeting about it. And, yeah. you know, it's going to be so instant. And, I mean, anything slightly remotely odd out there. At that point in time, it's been like, yeah, well, that's odd. Okay, well, low-flying plane. Let's go on with our day. Yeah, things were pretty lax back then. Yeah. So, I don't know. I It, it brought it to my mind a memory I have of... And I don't know what the hell it was ever to this day. Um, I was a kid. I was probably, I don't know, 10, 11-ish. Mm-hmm. And I was out. It was a summer night. It was a warm night. And I walked out onto my parents' porch. And it was the upper porch. This is where they now have like a, a roof over it now. But it was just open back then. Like a three-season room? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But back then there was no... It was just a porch. Um and I remember, it was like right before I had to go to bed, and I was standing out there looking up at the sky, and it was the, and I'm not trying to go ufo he here, but it was, it was weird. Okay. Um, it, I thought it was a plane that was going over me, because it was a low-flying something, and it was very low-flying. I could look up, and I could see multiple lights on it, but it was... I hate to use the analogy because it sounds so silly and like other. I, th- it was very slow moving, like very slow moving. Like, what the hell's that? I assumed it was like some sort of military plane flying over me. Okay, but it was very slow moving when I. I mean, and again, I'm trying to recall the memory of you know eleven or twelve. The only thing I can like kind of somewhat compare it to is Independence Day. Of it was big. Okay. I mean, but it could be, you know, big because it's lower flying, mm-hmm. but it was big with a lot of lights on the bottom. And they weren't like crazy, like, you know, I guess what you describe as UFO lights. They were more like just red blinking lights. I, I think what you would associate with almost any sort of airliner okay. of some sort. Um, but it, I, I remember just seeing that going, well, that's weird, you know. And I just went to bed, and I thought really not, not much a whole lot more of it other than, well, that was weird. I just assumed it was like a military plane of some sort. What time of the year was that? It, well, it was warm. So in Wisconsin, uh, I'd say roughly May to somewhere probably around September, somewhere in that window. See, to me, you're in the your, your parents' house is in the flight pattern for EAA, so it could be anything. Well, EAA is usually pretty small planes. Yeah, but... Although, we, I mean, it does have other... I don't. The thing that was most weird about it was the sheer size uh-huh. of what this thing was and how slow it was moving. But I could see them bringing something in as like, you know, kind of a draw sure. besides the small aircraft. And where the Harrier came there one year. Yeah. And it was a low fly. I mean, it was that thing can hover pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It was. I, I, and again, it, it's you know, it's so hard to say exactly what I saw because it's trying to recall a memory from so long ago. Right. And you know, time can mess with that pretty well. But I do remember it was low. It was slow. It was. I didn't feel like it was UFO. I just felt like it was some sort of weird military craft. But yeah. there you go. Okay. That's all I got. I, that story just brought that memory back. If you didn't, if you hadn't grown up so close to where they have EAA, I yeah. would be like, wow, that's weird. And I'm just like, right now, eh. It could have been around that time of year. I really couldn't pinpoint it. Being that it was warm, probably so. Yeah. Because yeah, it's not a whole huge warm season. No. Yeah. You so, got a short window there. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting stuff. Uh, Tim writes in, I lived with my uh, grandparents as a child and my mother was unable to take care of me. They happily welcomed me into their home and uh, provided me a safe and loving environment to grow up in. Immediately after I moved in, I began experiencing unexplainable things in my upstairs bedroom, but only at night. Children tend to have excellent imaginations, but I remember being truly afraid of my bedroom at night. 
My bed sat catty-corner to an attic where my grandparents stored various things from their past travels. My grandfather kept his old army clothes, medals, and various military items he brought back with him from World War II. And my grandmother kept things from her travels and time in Europe. Throughout my grandmother's travels through Germany, she acquired a set of porcelain dolls, a boy and a girl. These dolls were displayed on a shelf at the foot of my bed. I was immediately unnerved by these dolls. Being a terrified child, I would always go to sleep by pulling up the covers over my head. Dolls always sat boy, then girl, in a seated position. When I'd pull the covers back in the morning, the dolls would sometimes be in different positions or sometimes even across the room on different shelves, but always facing the bed. When I'd get ready for bed the next day, the dolls always reset back into their original positions at the foot of my bed. While I don't believe the dolls were haunted, I believe something in the house was manipulating them to get a reaction out of me. There were nights and I would have a tug-of-war battle with the covers, and sometimes at the foot of my bed, I'd feel the covers slowly starting to pull down, and I'd immediately pull them back over my head. If I relaxed, they'd start to be pulled down again. These tug-of-war battles would happen until I would fall asleep from exhaustion. In addition to that, the door to the attic space would occasionally open, slowly, with a slow squeaking noise. The area around the door would become darker than its surroundings and slowly move towards the bed. Usually I'd have the covers already pulled up over my head, but on some occasions I'd try to watch it until it was close to my bed. On nights when I couldn't deal with it, I would summon up all of the courage and leapt from the bed with my blanket and pillow and set up camp directly in front of my grandparents' door. This is how I lived at my grandparents' house for quite a few years. My grandparents eventually moved to their new home on a 20-acre plot in Alabama. The story continues, and I will write back in with the second half at a later date. Thank you, and keep up the great work. I think I would be camped out in front of their door, too. (laughs) Something keeps taking my covers. That's like like the worst thing that could possibly happen at that point in time, because it's like the only shield you have, and sometimes the best protection. Mm-hmm. You know, you just kind of, you end up curling underneath those covers and just trying to escape the thoughts that are going on in your mind of what's happening around you, and eventually you fall asleep instead of sheer exhaustion. When those covers are taken from you. Yeah. God. Where do you where yeah. do you go? What do I you do? I would be out the door. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for that story and uh, and sharing with us. We do greatly appreciate that. Our phone number, of course, 855-853-4802. Of course, you can also write it on our website, realghoststoriesonline.com. And like I said, if you enjoy the show, you listen to it uh, maybe just a couple times a week. Uh, if you'd like it to continue on, please consider becoming an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. It's five bucks a month. This is a listener-supported show. You sign up on the website, ghoststoriesonline.com you get a bonus episode every single week and access to all of our bonus episodes as well and they are may I say damn good lots of good ghost stories on there when you sign up you get that email sent out to you within a couple of hours with all of those archive shows for your enjoyment so check that out website again realghoststoriesonline.com until next time for Jenny Bruski I'm Tony Bruski thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.